Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. So we are in a series. I told you it's going to be kind of choppy, but uh, we're going to continue this series called Seven Longings of the Heart. And uh, today we're jumping back into it. Remember that God put in us these longings. Um, he, he, when he created us, he put, he put some longings in us that we have in us. We want these things. And sometimes because we have it in us, we seek the wrong sources to fulfill it. And so that's a trap. And, and the enemy in the world kind of, kind of tickles us a little bit in these areas. And if we're not careful, we go there. Okay, and so we've got to be able to distinguish between the longings that God gave us for himself and the longings that the world tries to get us. Okay, and so today I want to jump into that as children. Today is the longing for greatness, the longing for greatness. We we, we, we all have that moment in our life as children. We dream of a life of adventure and impact when you're playing outside as a kid. Uh, we pretend to be astronauts, police officers, firemen, adventurers, professional athletes, superheroes. Man, the list could go on and on. For me, oh yeah, I, I was going to be, I, I, was, I was destined to be an, a, a professional athlete. <laughs> that didn't work out. So, um, but, but that's what we did. And so remember, I've told you before, our house, we lived on Guadalupe Circle. There was a Guadalupe Drive. We were the corner house, had that big yard, had that sidewalk that was imperfectly laid out by the builder, whoever that was, for the 50-yard line. And we had the same amount of turf on each side. It was just great. It was like God ordained it to be the house with the football field. And so we would play. I mean, after school, we'd throw our books in our room, go outside. Our parents were like, you got homework? No, nah, I ain't no homework, no homework. And so we go outside to play football, and all the kids would come over, my buddies would come over, and we were playing. So this particular uh, moment that I remember, there was this, uh, this is when the Dallas Cowboys were like, you know, Too Tall Jones, Harvey Martin, I mean, Robert Newhouse, Tony Dorsett, Roger Staubach. We just knew somebody had to replace them. They were getting old, man. They, they can't play forever. Like, throw me the ball. I mean, they can't do that, okay? And so we as 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, we, we, we practiced our moves, man. We had them, man. We, we, we would juke people and think we made these moves because we, we, you know, we danced away from our buddy. He didn't have any coordination anyway, so we really didn't do anything. And so uh, we, this is what we were doing. So this particular time, we'd be playing and stuff, and we noticed this, this car, this black car with dark wind is tinted and he was sitting down here and we're like hey man you know who that is that's Dallas Cowboy Scout <laughs> I'm serious man at 12 years old you believe anything and so we told our buddies man hey that's a scout man they watching got to replace Roger Stahl he can't throw forever you know he ain't quarterback when you're 83 and so 
So we, boy, we all day at school, you know, we draw up these plays that going to make this scout see us, man, 12 years old, you know, write our name down. So weeks went by. That car, same spot every day, every week, but we played. And we convinced ourselves that that was a Dallas Cowboy Scout. And every once in a while, they roll down the window. And this is the days of cameras. Y'all, some of these kids like cameras. They'd take a picture, snapshot, really, you know, of a, with a real camera, big old long lens. And we kept taking these pictures. We thought he was taking pictures of us. We're like, man, he just took my picture. You see that move? I was, man, I was jetting down the sideline. I got skills. And, and so they're going back home, sharing it with the scouts, talking about it at, at, in Irving at the stadium. And I, man, we can, all this stuff. And so one day, afternoon we come home from school man we driving down the road the bus and uh all these lights i mean i'm thinking there's every cop car and fbi agent and i've ever seen my life on our street well man i'm gonna tell you that was not an nfl scout (laughs) that dude was surveilling this doctor's house because he was dealing drugs and they just busted his tail, man. He, it was bad, okay? And so we're like depressed over it, man. We just convinced that that dark car was a, was a scout, man. And uh, long story short, uh, it didn't turn out good for the doctor. He, his, 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 the first two letters changed. Uh, it it didn't, didn't work anymore after that. So, uh, so, but my wife, my wife, I said, so, so baby, I, I was, you know, juking and doing, I was going to be the pro athlete. How about you? I Wonder Woman. I was like, Wonder Woman. She said, I had the bandana. I could do the spin. I said, well, you know, baby, you kind of are Wonder Woman, you know? You just went at it a different route, amen? So uh, we all fantasize. I all have these, these, we chase greatness. We do. No, no child ever dreams of doing something mundane or meaningless. You never hear them. The truth is that our longing for greatness will never be satisfied until we surrender our concept of greatness to the truth of Scripture. That's when we get it. And there's a battle, man. It's constant every day. Matthew 18, 4 says this, Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 20, 26, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Hmm. Matthew 20, 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 23, 12, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All through Scripture, you see constant references to greatness, but it's totally different than what we see in the world. There's a constant battle for you and me. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're passing through. The world says to be great, to magnify yourself, to make much of you, to puff yourself up, to step on whoever, to squash, knock them out. Don't destroy people to get to the top. And then when you get to the top, you'll be the greatest and everybody will bow down around you and they'll make statues of you and they'll make cologne of you. They'll make t-shirts of you. I mean, they'll do all kinds of stuff for you. And Jesus is like, nah, nah, nah. You want to be great? Die. You want to be great? Be less of you, more of me. You decrease, I increase. 
Oh, not magnify you. You stand behind the cross. I'll magnify the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, he will do what? He will draw all men and women to him. (laughs) You lift us up, (laughs) nobody coming. Ain't nobody coming. He said, well, my wife will be there. Uh, nah, <laughs> she won't be there either. So, <laughs> I'm sorry. Just, we, don't, we don't draw people. We think we do. Remember in high school when you had that car and everybody wanted to be with you? Uh-huh, until somebody else got a better car. <laughs> Ooh, that car is hotter than yours. Well, what's wrong with my car? It's ugly now. No, it's not. That's what we do. The world screams greatness a whole different language than the Jesus screams it. And we're caught in between, man. And Romans 12 says, by the renewing of your mind, you got to be transformed daily by the renewing of your mind. If you do not, you're going to buy into what the world sells. You say, well, I'm, I'm born again and I don't have to do that. No, you're born again and you shouldn't do that, but you will. You say, well, I'm a Christian, so they can't touch me. <laughs> you're a Christian, so they're going to really come after you. Okay, because if they can get you to exalt yourself and decrease Jesus, then it makes your religion just worthless. It makes your relationship with Christ mean nothing because it's not all about him like you say, it's all about you. If you're going to point to heaven, then live like it. If you're going to point to heaven, live like it. Too many athletes today point to heaven, but I wonder outside the walls, do they live like it? I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying the world screams greatness different than Scripture screams it. You have a heavenly Father who longs to make you great in His sight. He has a plan to feel, He has a plan for you filled with eternal rewards. He has rewards for you. He wants to give you rewards in eternity. He wants to shower down on you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what he says to you. He wants to give you these. These are magnified. They will be magnified through you. He will be if you die to self, if you allow yourself to do that. He, He has to be filled with you for significance in the kingdom. Listen to me. The kingdom needs you. Okay, it needs you. It doesn't need you to continue to function. It needs you to magnify Christ while you do life because you will influence people. The question is what influence will you have on them? Will it be for eternity or will it be for just a glimpse of you? Don't ever let the focus be you. Let the focus be Christ. He will use you. That's the biggest trap when you get in ministry or you do stuff in ministry. You share with somebody and they accept Christ. The minute that happens, you say, I, I got them saved. Well, God used you. Okay? He used you. Well, man, do you see how good I am? Whew. When I get there, it's just, no. Now, it'd be better if you don't arrive, but all that anointing in you can't arrive. All right? So many times, man, we think we do that and there's a trick there. He does that. He uses you. You put yourself in a position under the authority of Christ with the power of the word, and he uses you. But remember whose power and authority you're under. You're not your own. Okay, you've been bought with a price. 
You've got to understand that, that I'm telling you, this, this Christian thing, this, this Jesus thing, can, can, it can get you puffed up. It can make you too big for your britches, all right? You have to be real careful that you always let God be God and let him use you and magnify you. There's significance in the kingdom, and he has it for you. There's deep satisfaction for your life. Listen to me. I learned long ago that if I'm not about something bigger than me, I'll get bored. I will. See, you say, well, that's my work. Uh, you'll get bored at work. Well, it's all my hobbies and interests outside of work. Eh, yeah, but you get bored there too. What are you doing in your life that has eternal value, kingdom value? When you do it, it happens now, but the reward is later. It, God uses you to do it. It's like working in vacation Bible school. It's walking around all week. I see students and I see adults, and they're letting God use them, and they think that they're not doing anything. But I want you to know they have eternal value, and the kingdom is doing stuff. The Bible says, what are you storing up? Is it where moth and rust can get to it? Or are you storing up in heaven? What are you doing that's bigger than you? What are you doing that has eternal kingdom significance? That's the greatness. That's greatness. But if you do all that, it's going to cost you something. That's pretty much going to cost you everything. John 15, 13 says this. Greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. Matthew 19, 19. And love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you are like, oh, you have no idea how hard that is. All right? People say, well, who's my neighbor? I'll tell you who your neighbor is. It's not the person next door, necessarily. The neighbor in your life is anybody that's not you. That's who your neighbor is. So if you're at a restaurant, a coffee shop, Walmart, the mall, sporting event, and there's just somebody that's just like, no. Guess what? They're your neighbor. They're your neighbor. Why well, I don't want to love them. I don't even want to be nice to them. I don't want to be, I, I, don't, I don't want any part of it. I want to avoid them. Oh yeah, that's perfect. That's a beautiful model of Jesus. I don't want to be around them. I don't want anything, I don't want to say anything to them. I want to ignore them. Oh, that's just gorgeous. Gorgeous. I'm so glad Jesus did not take that model. I don't want to talk to Jeff, and I don't even want to be around Jeff. And guess what? I'll just avoid Jeff. There are moments that if I was picking and I was Jesus, I'm like, mm -mm, I'm going to ignore you because I don't even know what this is right here. It's ugly. Listen to me. Your neighbor is anybody that's not you. If you're going to be great in the kingdom, he says, love your neighbor. And I'm going to tell you something, that is going to be hard. And you won't do it, but he will through you. When you die to self, when you surrender, when you lay yourself before and say, oh, it's not about me being all puffed up and getting my way. No, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down here and, and let him have it. I'm going to love this person. I'm going to be friendly to this person. I'm going to turn the other cheek. I'm going to be like Jesus here, okay? Because too many times you say, well, what about the temple when Jesus re rearranged it? That's the kind of Jesus I like. I want to do that. 
Well, <laughs> he did that, okay? He did that. All right. But so God's plan is the exact opposite of the world. God's plan for greatness is the exact opposite of the world. To be eternally great is to lay down your life. Stop seeking greatness in the world's eyes and give your heart entirely to the service and plans of your heavenly Father. That is how to be great. God might call some of you and trust some of you to greatness in this world. But even if you get that opportunity, you should humbly accept it. And always magnify the king through it. I love people that stand on a platform that God's entrusted them with, and they're great. And you hear nothing and see nothing but Jesus through them. In their attitude, their speech, their humility, and their service. That's a gorgeous thing and a refreshing thing. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some Bibles say abundant. You want abundant life? Be like Jesus. Seek greatness like Christ does. Lay your life down. Lay your life down for his people. The opinion of man is fleeting and fickle. Mm, boy, it is. But your heavenly Father's plans and purposes are entirely steadfast and unchangeable. You can live a life so great that all eternity is changed as a result. All is changed. I got good news for you this morning. You, you were made for greatness. You were. Greatness according to this. That's what you were made for. Greatness. Let me ask a question, several. In what ways are you seeking greatness from the world? In what ways are you seeking greatness from the world? Or like the world? What are you chasing? What are you chasing? Who are you chasing? Teenagers today are bombarded by TVs and magazines and internet stars for a little bit. They're just a vapor. And they chase these people, emulate them, want to be like them. But it's fleeting. It's not going to be there very long. And it's okay. But we as parents have got to somehow turn them. And it's okay to have these people. But you've got to understand Jesus is your yardstick. He's the one you've got to pursue. And it's hard to balance that for your kids. And guess what, moms and dads? It's hard to balance it for us. Because the world's screaming this kind of greatness and Jesus screaming this kind of greatness. And here's what's tough. A lot of parents today want to live their life back through their kids. So they'll sell their kids out to, for anything that makes them popular and noteworthy. Don't use your kid that way. May there be something more about you than you have to shrink to that level to have your, your son or daughter be on a certain team, a certain outfit, and a certain crowd to give your life substance and meaning. How shallow can one adult be? I'm sorry, 
Do not chase this artificial, fake, made-up greatness that the world sells. You chase the authentic Word of God, and you follow Jesus and the pattern He gave, because He will make you great, great in the kingdom. Maybe not great in this world, but great in the kingdom. And guess what? You got to decide what's more important. You say, well, I'm not going to pick. <laughs> Your actions pick for you. They'll, they'll speak for you. In what ways are you seeking greatness in the world? What are you chasing? Who are you chasing? And here's a big question. What needs to change? What needs to change? Isaiah 30, 21 says this. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your eyes will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Matthew 20, 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Mm. Pursuing his greatness, his greatness is the only way to satisfy my longing for greatness. Until we figure that out, man. Pursuing his greatness is the only way to satisfy my longing for greatness. I'll show you in Scripture. Go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I want you to listen to the greatness right here. This is greatness that we should pursue. Philippians 2.1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on your own interest, but also the interest of others. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. You want to be great? <laughs> you want to be great? There you go. Be great like Jesus. You want to be great? Be great like Jesus. Tell your kids, you want to be great? Be great like Jesus. God might trust you with what the world might gleam as greatness, but if you walk into that greatness that God's trusting you with, with this attitude, 
Mm. All that's drawn to you will really be drawn to him. And my friends, then one day, when your last breath ends and you go home, the Father will say, well done. My good and faithful servant, enter in. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.